It is wonderful to see you here today. <clears throat> this past week was an important anniversary um, here in America, here in the U.S., that we normally don't think about. And it was 76 years ago, February 19th, 1945, where our soldiers fought what was called the Battle of Iwo Jima. And it was the largest employment, not deployment, but employment of Marines um, that our country had ever seen. 73,000 Marines landed on that island. And a battle that was expected to take no more than seven days took five weeks. Of those 73,000 Marines, there were about 7,000 that were killed. The island was being defended by 21,000 Japanese imperial soldiers. The island was very strategic in its importance because it was a staging point for an online, or I mean an online, for a, a, a mainland invasion. And the U.S. knew that they needed that island so that their planes, who could not reach it in just, in just one trip, they had a place where they could refuel. And there were actually two airfields that were on the island that the Allied forces believed that they needed to control. And it's that anniversary that, that I think it, it's, it's good for us to remember something like that because I want to talk about another battle today. Because you and I, and when I say you and I, I mean, I mean every single one of you that are in this room. Every single one. We are fighting a battle. And that battle is something that that we have, we, we might be fighting it um, and not even be aware of it. When you, when you go to bed at night, it's there. When you wake up in the middle of the night, it's there. When you wake up in the morning, it's there. When you climb in the shower or, and when you shave in the morning, and some of us have more to shave than others, Brian, I mean, you know, we, it's there. It's there. That battle is there. It's a battle for your mind. And it takes place in your mind. This morning, I want to share five strategies that I believe will really help us in this battle of the mind. The first one is this. We need to identify the adversary. Now, the first step in, in winning any any conflict, any, any confrontation, any military battle is you have to know who you are fighting against because if you don't know, you can't fight. And that is something that, that even in a military way, our, our nation has had to, to face. But what about for us individually, spiritually speaking? We need to be able to identify 
who we're fighting against, who we're battling, where, where is the battle. I think of, of uh, King David before he, um, he got to that position of being the king while he was um, a part of, of King Saul's, um, um, his his army, but just also his, his palace, and, and he worked for King Saul, and King Saul was trying to kill him. It's pretty easy to identify the enemy when he steps up in front of you, and he has a weapon in his hand, and he seeks to use that weapon on you, right? That's easy. But look at what David said in Psalm 13, verse 2. He said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? You see, Saul never, never triumphed over David. So what, and, and David was the most victorious king that, that we'd ever seen in scripture. So what is he talking? He's talking about a battle of the mind. And the enemy is coming at him in his mind. And so that's what David is talking about here. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? You and I, as part of this battle, we wrestle with our thoughts. We struggle with our thoughts. And there's not one of us that is exempt from this kind of a battle. Jesus, in John chapter 10, he talks about the thief. And he says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's talking about Satan. He's talking about the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, the apostle Peter says this in verse 8, that we need to be alert and, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now you might read that and say that's ridiculous. There's I I don't see any any lion that's that's coming after us. I don't see any any visible enemy that we might be facing. You know the words that Peter uses that we should be alert and and of sober mind. The way that's written in the Greek, it says that it, it really needs immediate attention because the danger is very real. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he lays it out this way in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul is saying that the struggle that we have, the battle that we're facing is not with a battle that is of flesh and blood that we can see and touch. But it is a spiritual force of evil and darkness that exists in the world today. It's said, and, and I've, I've found this in, in numerous places, but the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because if he doesn't exist, that means that every thought that you've ever had is simply because of you. Now, I realize that we, we help the devil, and we're going to talk about that. But think about that. Every, every thought that you've ever had was the result of you. 
If, if there is no devil, every, every bit of evil that is in this world is simply the result of the heart of mankind. And we know that there is a lot of evil in our world. But to deny the devil's existence is to say that everything that we see is purely the result of humankind. The Bible tells us that Satan is a liar. That everything he says is a lie. And that when he speaks, he lies because he's speaking his native language. Every word that comes out of his mouth. So every, every thought that he would try to influence in our minds is a lie. And I believe that he wants to get you to believe his lies. And he's not, it's not that they're going to be on a billboard. It's going to be in our minds. In our minds, he wants to get us to believe because of this wrestling with our thoughts that David talked about. The lies that the enemy speaks, those are attacks that are designed to steal, kill, and destroy in your life and in my life. And we need to be able to identify who the enemy is, the enemy that we are fighting against. The second thing that we need to do is we need to incarcerate negative notions. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about creation. Would it be amazing to live in a world where there was one rule? One rule. Could you imagine that? One, one rule. The rule was this. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Whatever else, hey, have at it. Do what, but just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A few years ago, my precious wife, and when I told this story in the first service, and she figured out what the story was, she just went, oh, no. <laughs> but I'll tell it to you anyway. Um, I may get it after I get home, but... Um, but she, she wanted to paint the, the upstairs bathroom. And normally I do all the painting, but for some reason she wanted to paint the upstairs bathroom. And I said, okay. And, and we, you know, we talk about colors, you know, and we decide on a color. She said, what color do you want? And that was very nice of her to ask me what color I wanted. And my response was, it's not so much about the color I want. I just know what I don't want. And I don't know how I got to this point, but the one color that I said I did not want was mint green. I don't, under, I don't, I don't remember all the details. I just know that that, that was the color I didn't want. And so um, the day came when she was upstairs in the bathroom painting. She's doing her project. And there's this voice that sometimes we use, and as soon as we use it, our spouse knows that there's trouble. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and I'll try to imitate the voice. It was, Kevin, and I knew immediately something's not right. And I said, yes, and she said, it's mint green. It was, <laughs> it was just one color. You have, you have this limitless palette. I mean, go, go to the hardware store and look at the swatches. You're overwhelmed with choices. And I just mentioned one. Just not that one. And that's the one that it turns out to be. 
<laughs> I, I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that. It was, in her defense, she said, it was supposed to be seafoam green. Isn't that really mint? I'm, I'm not sure. In the garden, God gives Adam and Eve one command. Not this tree. That was it. Not this tree. And yet Satan is able to deceive Eve's mind. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes this, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Even when you are sincerely devoted to Christ, Satan desires to lead you away from that devotion. He desires to deceive us. He desires to, to convince us. And where does that happen? It happens in the mind. The battle is in the mind. And he will say things to you the same way the serpent did to Eve. What did he say to Eve? You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Just think about that for a second. What, I mean, you're not going to die. Physically, she wasn't going to fall over and die at that moment. She didn't fall over and die at that moment, but yet we know spiritually she died. You're not going to, in fact, you're going to be like God. You're going to know the difference between all good and evil. You're going to know. He just doesn't want you to know these things. And you and I, in the battle of our minds, the enemy is lying to us. He is saying things that are contrary to the truth of who God is. He is saying things to you and I that is contrary to God's word. And you know what it sounds like? A lot of the times it sounds like it's me. Like in my head, that's what it sounds like. In your head, it sounds like you. It may sound like a disapproving parent from when you were a kid. It may sound like a spouse. Maybe it sounds like a, a, a good friend. Maybe it sounds like, uh, like, like a parent or a boss, but, but you hear that voice, and we don't always say, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the voice of Satan. It's not what it sounds like that determines that, but is it a lie? Is it, what is being spoken, what do you hear that voice saying? Because if it is declaring things that are against the word of God and against who God is, that is a lie. And I guarantee you that the source of that lie is the enemy. It is Satan. It is the devil. That lie may be saying a lot of different things to you. It may be saying, you know what? God's not even real. It may be saying, you know, there's no such thing as the devil. Maybe it's saying God doesn't really care for you because you're just not worth it. You're a failure. You, you just, God doesn't, eat, you're not even on God's radar. It might be saying that, you know, you need to go after yours. You need to get your satisfaction now. You need to, you need to be worried about your own pleasures. You need to go after stuff like that. It might be saying that, that, that you know what, um, you need, you, you need to, to, uh, to think in terms of that, that really it's not your fault, you're, you're really the victim here. All of those things that you hear, those things are contrary to God's word. 
Those are the voice of the enemy that are lying to us. And these lies attack our minds. And you know what? We are allowing the enemy, we're allowing Satan to exist in our minds rent-free and to be speaking to us. He's taken up space in your gray matter and we just let him do it. And we're losing the battle of our minds. I don't know about you, but there's times when that voice that I hear, it's playing on a loop. Now, Satan may not be the most technological being in the universe, okay? Because I think, and I say that because I think he uses a reel-to-reel tape recorder, you know? You hit play and you hear, you hear the recording and then you rewind it and you hear it backwards real quick and then he plays it again and then he backs it up and he plays it again and it just plays over and over and over and over. The question is, how do we stop the loop from playing? How do we win that battle for our minds? What can we do? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have been given the ability and the authority to stop that loop, to stop those lies that are being spoken. And we hear it, and I, Pastor, I, I, I hear my mom's voice. I hear my husband's voice. I hear my sister's voice. I hear my own voice. We have the ability to take authority over those, to take them captive and stop that loop from happening. Here's strategy number three. Give no aid or comfort. The definition of give no aid or comfort is any act, whether it is actual help or advice, that intentionally strengthens the enemy or it weakens yourself and your own position and your ability to either defend yourself or to turn and attack the enemy. That is considered give no aid. And treason is, is one of the things that we think of when it comes to give no aid okay, to the enemy, no comfort or, or aid to the enemy. One of the examples of, of treason in American history that, that probably is the, the most notable um, for us is something that, that happened in 19, or 1780 when Major General uh, uh, Benedict Arnold defected over to the British. And there was a plot that was discovered to where he was going to somehow turn over control of West Point to the British. And this um, was obviously a big deal because, and we don't hear much about this, um, Arnold was really, he served very effectively. In fact, historians tell us that without Arnold and his leadership, um, the, the American revolutionary forces may not have won in the battle against the British. He was that um, important in that battle. So this man had served uh, very effectively, very valiantly, um, and yet he gave aid and comfort to the enemy. He defected. He, did, he committed treasonous acts. 
So much so that when you and I talk about a traitor, what do we call people that are traitors? We call them Benedict Arnold. We still remember that today. All of these years later, we remember the, that what happened and we refer to people that way. In our minds, we, we do the exact same thing. We commit acts of treason against ourselves by helping the enemy of our souls in our own mind by giving him aid and comfort because we've got the remote control and we keep playing those lies over and over again. And we don't stop it. We don't take authority over it. We help the enemy and we weaken ourselves. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verses three and four, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You and I have access to spiritual weapons. We have access to things that are so powerful that they can demolish spiritual strongholds. And when I think of a stronghold, I think of a, a military location. It may be close to the front line. It may be behind enemy lines. But it is something that is being defended at all costs by the enemy. We have been given uh, weapons that are that powerful that we can demolish those strongholds. But here's the problem. And I'm going to go back and touch base with what I first talked about, about the Battle of Iwo Jima. And, and I have to say that after service, um, Harv, Harv Rutherford came up to me after service. And, and Harv um, will be celebrating soon his 50th anniversary of being out of the military. And Harv, um, he said to me, he said, I was on Iwo Jima, not, not as a soldier, but I went about 60 years ago to visit it, and I saw the tunnels that were dug into that island. You see, the enemy of 21,000 troops, they were so dug in, and they didn't, they didn't get down on the beach and defend the beach because they knew the sand mixed with the volcanic ash was no place to try to get a footing. They were way back in the hills, of that island, and they had, they had dug in tunnels that literally were just massive, and they had their, their, their artillery covering every inch of that beach, but they were way far away in their, their implementation, their use of, of that artillery, so they weren't right down there. They were so dug in. The enemy has tried to dig into your mind and my mind and get a foothold. And once he gets a foothold, he wants a stronghold. And once he's got a stronghold, he's going to defend it for everything with everything that he has. That battle for your mind is real. And that loop that you've been playing that says that you're no good, that you're a failure, that you are stupid, that you don't really matter, those things are not just your thoughts. They are the thoughts of the enemy. They are lies from the pit of hell in whatever form they are in, whatever they're saying to you. So number four, here's what we need to do. We need to take up arms. 
Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, Paul talks about the, the full armor of God. I, I just want to read through that, starting at verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of, of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now I want you to notice that five Five of these six pieces of armor are defensive. A shield is defensive. The breastplate is defensive. The helmet is defensive. There is only one offensive weapon in this list of armor, and it is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I also want you to recall, as you look at those, those things, none of them cover you as you as you retreat, as you turn and run away from the battle, you're not covered. It's only when we stand and we engage the enemy that we are covered, and it is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which is the offensive weapon. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is able to enter the battle for your mind. And you need to use the word of God as an offensive weapon. You say, Kevin, what do you mean? Well, if you're like me, when you're going through a stressful time and you wake up in the middle of the night, what's happening is the loop is on. Okay, that's me. The loop is on and it's just running and it's running and it's running and it's running. And it'll run as long as I let it run. But the moment that I say, God, your word says that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, you know what? I reject these words, and I'm going to stop them in Jesus' name. And I might have to quote that scripture again, and I might have to quote it again and quote it again, but I am, I am not going to let those words just stand. What am I doing? I'm battling the lies of the enemy with the word of God. I am using the Bible as an offensive weapon. And let me tell you something, it's effective. And it will protect us from being deceived. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Literally, the, the word of God is so strong that it can fend off temptation to sin. It is the, the, the strongest or the, the most effective uh, offensive weapon that we have in the battle of our mind. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to memorize it, and we need to declare it. Stand on it. Stand on it. When the enemy is attacking your mind, stand on the word of God, and I will tell you, resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? Stand on the word of God. That's how you do it. That's, that's worth the price of admission right there, and the first service didn't get that one. I'm just going to say, just put that out there. And number five, we need to fortify your keep. What's your keep? 
The keep is that strongest, most central, you know, it's that, that, that most fortified final refuge. You know, if you're, if you're defending your keep, you've fallen back from the front lines and, and you're just making your last stand. It's, it's that, that, that most important place. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 6, Don't, do not be anxious about anything but at every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray, when we worship the Lord, it strengthens and protects our minds. The peace of God begins to come in and, and it guards us. That's a military word. Like, like defending the keep, defending the castle. The peace of God comes in and it begins to defend us. Oh, that's a good thing. Our hearts are the place where it's the seat of our emotions and our affections. Our mind is that place of understanding and reason. God's peace protects us from anxiety. It, it protects us from, from our fears and our alarms. I love what Isaiah says, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on you because they trust in you. When the lies come in, we need to put our, make our minds steadfast by using the word of God. And it will, we, will, we will be able to fortify the keep. We will be able to defend our minds from the lies of the enemy. I want you to know that the struggle for the battle of your mind is a real struggle. Over the last year, think of what we have faced and, and it's affected every single person. We have faced a pandemic. We have faced racial unrest in our nation. We have faced the need for wearing a mask. We have faced an election that was like none other that we've ever seen. And now we face the issue of vaccines. There is a battle that's being fought in our minds. And we are, we are the enemy's objective. He is trying to win that battle in our minds. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when that, when that reel-to-reel is, is, is playing and rewinding and playing and rewinding and playing and rewinding and it's on that loop and it never seems to stop, we have, uh, we have something that we can do. We can use the word of God to defend ourselves, but then we need to replace those negative things with the positive things. What does he say? Think on these things that are excellent and praiseworthy, admirable, lovely, true, noble. We, right, we need to think about those things. Because sometimes when, when, you're, when, when that, that, that loop is playing over and over again and we get it stopped for a minute, we think, now what do I do? What do I do now? You gotta replace it with good things. You gotta replace it with things that are pleasing to God. 
the battle for your mind is real and the enemy is trying to steal your joy, to steal your, your peace. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you spiritually. And I tell you what, God desires that we would have victory, that we would win the battle of the mind. The struggle is real. And God has a strategy for victory. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you have not just abandoned us. You have not left us alone in this struggle, this battle for our mind. You have given us weapons that are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds that, that we can take these thoughts captive. But Father, we acknowledge that sometimes we help the enemy do this. We, we might even get the tape started. We might be thinking about these thoughts and, and letting them have free reign in our minds. Father, I pray today for those that maybe have struggling to win that battle of their mind. That, they, they're, they're, that, that, that battlefield, they've been really suffering a lot of defeats in that area in their life. And they want to see victory through the word of God, through the peace of God. As we close our service today, I just want to ask each of you this question. Is this a battle that you have been fighting unsuccessfully? Do you feel like you've, been, you've really been losing that battle? And if the answer is yes, I, I simply want to pray for you as we close our service. I don't know what that battle looks like for you. I don't know what that loop sounds like to you. It may sound like your voice. It may sound like a spouse's voice, uh, a parent. It might sound like one of your kids. It might sound like a neighbor. Uh, it, it might sound like a teacher. But that voice is going over and over and over and over, and you're losing the battle of your mind. Today, God wants to help you win that battle. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I, I, I want to win that battle. I've been, I've been losing that battle, but I want to win that battle. If you just slip your hand up, we're just going to pray as we close. Yep, just, yep. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yep, you can put them down. Father, I thank you I thank you that, that you are truth and that these lies that we have been hearing in our own minds that are speaking to us, telling us that we're a failure, telling us that we're no good, telling us that we're not worth anything, telling us how evil we are and that God would never love us and he would never want to forgive us. Lord, those lies, we don't have to accept them. We can reject them and that you've given us your word to stand on and we given, you've given us your peace to stand guard over our minds. And we need to replace those lies with the truth and with good things. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hand that are struggling and I pray that right now, Father, a spirit of hope would overwhelm them 
and that they would be able to identify that, that the enemy, that they can hear that they when they hear that voice, that they're they're gonna know that it's the enemy, and then they're gonna they're gonna incarcerate those negative thoughts that they're not just going to let them play. They're not just going to let it, con- let it continue. And they're not, not, they're not going to do anything to actually help the enemy, to give him aid or comfort. And they're going to stand on your word. They're going to they're use it as an offensive weapon against the enemy. And that the peace of God is going to defend their hearts and their minds in this battle for the mind. Father, I pray that this week, I pray that, that as they, they go to bed tonight, when that, when that reel-to-reel wants to get started again, or tomorrow morning when they wake up and those negative voices want to continue to happen, I pray that they will insert the Word of God, that they will, they will literally begin to speak the promises of God over their life, and that they will see victory, Lord, in the battle. Jesus' name.